Hello and welcome to a new episode of You May Not Like This, But. And in this episode, I want to focus on a subject that, a theme, I should say, that is that is fundamental to the whole enterprise of You May Not Like This, But both the blog and the podcast. It is a burning conviction in my heart and mind, and especially when we consider all that is going on in the world now, the one story that is in everyone's minds, the thought of war in Europe, the thoughts and the images of what is going on are awful to contemplate. I was particularly taken this morning by a picture of a little child who was singing the anthem from Frozen, and it serves as a call to all who would would perpetrate violence Please, Mr. Putin, Comrade Putin, let it go. And it seems that Christian people all over the world seem to me incapable or unable, rather, let's be charitable, unable to frame thoughts and expressions of that are apposite to them, that will in any way change the situation. You wish you could. We all wish we could, but we cannot. But I will begin this episode by remembering that everyone is every single person in the whole world is a sinner in need of a savior and it's not untrue it true it is not popular to say that but i have a threefold clarion call to the world and it's this God loves you. You must be saved. You you must be saved. You can be saved. And here's how. Yes, threefold, not fourfold. The last one is the outworking of the three. Let me go through them. I was very arrested this morning when I saw the images on the fronts of the newspapers I remember the fact that the two men 
who all those years ago led me to the Lord Jesus Christ, told me something I have never really heard since. And if it hadn't been for that, I would not be in the position that I am now. Namely, that I would not know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Saviour. And they told me, God loves you. So let me say, because I've run, gone through this prayerfully, but I've not written down one word. But I believe the Holy Spirit was guiding me to this. And this burns within me but in a beautiful way, a beautiful way. So here, let me, let's go to it. As I said earlier, before the, I pressed record, before the Lord, I said, let's go to it. And I went to it, I went through it, and I was in awe at the end of it. And I realized that I was not being recorded and that I should record this. And it's not going to come out the same as it came out earlier on. But I want to convey to you all that I received this morning from the hand of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you, in the face of all the terrible things that are happening in this world now, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And before you say, well, I don't see any evidence of that wrong, the first thing to consider is this. You are alive. Yes, the very fact that you are alive means that you are connected to God. And anyone who tries to diminish in any way the quality of your life, let alone try to take your life is doing the devil's work. God loves you and you are plugged in to God. The other piece of evidence is the other thing that I will give to you is that life is sacred. It is the misapprehension of um, religious believers, shall we say, that for people who have, who are non-believers, nothing is sacred. Well, that's wrong, very wrong, because everyone on the face of this earth knows and believes 
that life itself is sacred and we must we, we, we are grateful for it and it is one of the fundamental elements of modern science that there is a maintenance of a sense of awe no life is sacred there are many things that are sacred that are sacred in the secular sense in the non-religious sense so yes it is sacred that's the that's what i would put forward to you this morning is that god loves you god loves you one you are alive two life is sacred also you must be saved you must be saved evidence for that is that there is no universal moral compass why is it that we tend to go that, uh, that uh, there are many people let, let, let's look at the spectrum of this on the one side there are people of whom it is said they live life like a car crash they 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 smash into the wall one way and they turn around and they smash into another wall the opposite one and they never seem to be able to drive down the road straight no there is and parental guidance parental guidance is a very nebulous uh, entity many parents are very concerned and rightly so about the welfare of their children they give them advice and where necessary and where possible education but many parents do not give any guidance at all there is and we have to find our own way and those ways are all very different very different indeed and it's a very sad thing because we're all going different ways and the the pantheistic idea is something i find very irksome that and very convenient and very formulaic but ultimately unprofitable that well don't worry about it it's all paths up the same mountain some paths go down this is the reality of the situation some paths go down as well as up and none of them and all the millions and millions of people that are alive today none of them go in the same direction no there is no guidance there is no life listen god loves you 
and you must be saved. Also, God loves you. You must be saved. You can be saved. It's like this. You can be saved, not because you're special, not because you're different even. We're all different. You, you personally are unique among all the millions and billions of people that exist, that are alive today. You are unique. But so is everyone else. Unique. How then is it even, how can it possibly be that if we need to be saved, even though God loves us, even though he loves us with great love, as great as God is, that is how great his love is. How can we possibly be saved? Can he just say the word and let it be and as it was in the beginning? That's not the case. Sin exists. We know not how. But when we are born, we have no, we are, we are, we already die. That's the sad thing. It's called sin. It affects you and it affects me. We're all under it. When we're born, we're born, we die. As soon as we die, as soon as we're born, we die. We die to God and all his love. It's called sin. Then, after, when we live, we die again. The Bible calls it the second death. And there is a covenant made, an agreement. And the Bible says these terrible words. The soul that sins, the life that sins, that's what it means, the person that sins will die. And if we are born in sin, we can't not do any, we can do some good in this world. Loads of people do lots of good in this world. No one, even remotely, wishes A, to deny it, and B, to discourage it. But you see, that won't save us. It won't save us. Something needs to be said here. The thing is, I'm making this point that you can be saved, you, mu you must be saved, and you can be saved. Then what is it we are saved from? We, we must be saved from. Imagine, you, you can't imagine this, I know, but imagine that you see God. And it's not like, it's not going to be like anything you, you've ever come across. Not many people have had the experience, but every, I certainly have. And when I tried to pray, because you can't, you, as a child, you can't express it 
in technical terms, and I'm not going to use technical terms uh, now. But I remember thinking, when I was very young, when I tried to pray and failed, it felt as if it was a crime even to exist. There is an artist who I love to, whose, whose work I love, and he's an illustrator, and his name is Gustavi Dory. He, is, he does these lavish illustrations, but some of them are very upsetting. Because one of the main books that I was, uh, in, that influenced me as I was uh, growing up and uh, and going to, when I, especially when I was in college, was a book called The Divine Comedy, by Dante. And I have a copy of it. It's a lectern copy uh, of The Divine Comedy. And it is full, the whole pages of, of the book are illustrations from Gustave Dory. And the text of the book is, print, is superimposed over those. It's a beautiful book, but it is very, very, it is disconcerting and it is humbling and it shows terrible things but you know I will tell you this it is not as bad as the real thing you see what the, the when the Bible talks about hell and a lake of fire it really doesn't it's an it's an illustration it's a euphemism it's a figure of speech it's like the pearly gates. The gates of pearl are not literal gates made of pearl. It's a euphemism to describe something. And it's a euphemism to describe being converted. You go through the gate of pearl. Not when you die, not after you die, but when you believe. You see, the, what is a gate? It is a portal, it is an entrance portal in, from outside to inside. It's a door. You go, you're outside the house, the door is open, and you go inside the house. And in a sense, it doesn't matter what the door is made of, whether it's plastic or whether it's wood, or whether it's metal, or a combination of all three. It doesn't matter. You just go in, you shut the door, and you're inside, and you don't really care what the door was made of, as long as it's shut and, and you're safe inside. That's all that matters. And that's all that matters in this. But it matters that it's a gate of pearl. It's a gate of pearl. What is pearl? What is a pearl? A pearl is an enzyme released by an oyster in relation, in response 
to an experience of discomfort, usually sand getting inside the poor little thing. And it cover and it heals that wound which the sand causes by covering it with its enzyme. And that enzyme is pearl. And it's the same thing with the pearly gate. You are called upon to enter into the go through the pearly gate. You have it's not easy to be to realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. It is encouraging to know it is, you are motivated and encouraged to know that God loves you and, and that when you are told you must be saved, you are told also you can be saved because a Savior has been provided. So you end, and that, that experience of discomfort, in that those words of motivation act, as it were, as a motivator, as a God's hand to pull you through that, that experience of discomfort. I don't like being to think of myself as a sinner, that the idea that as soon as I was born, I died, and when I die, I will die again, and experience the second death. What is the second death? Is the second death is to see God, to see God and know that I will never be reconciled to him that in all that his love for me, I'll never be reconciled to him. To see his face and to know the life that I could have had, the life that I will never have, and it will go on forever. It's called dying again. Once I was, when I was born, I died. And when I die, I will die again. You see, Jesus said, in response to this, in the face, in, to the face, sorry, of a, a deeply religious man, a deeply pious man, a deeply knowledgeable man, and a man in high office, you must be born again. You, the moment you were born, you died. The, and when you die, you will die again. You, you will die again, but you don't have to. You don't have to, because you must be born again. You go through those, that, those gates of discomfort, the knowing that you are a sinner and it's not nice it's not nice to be called a sinner i don't like the idea but god loves you and he reaches through your discomfort that discomfort he reaches down through that discomfort 
and draws you through that discomfort. That discomfort is the gate of, is the pearl, and you go through it. And that discomfort is covered with the enzyme of the love of God. Now then, having seen what we're being saved from, how can we be saved? How is it? Well, it, all, it involves how is it that we can be saved? How does God save us? You see, there was a covenant, an agreement made with death, and it's this. The soul or the life or the person who sins will die. But it's like this. If we live, if as soon as we're born, we are born, we die, then we're already in sin, and we already need to be saved. And if we need to be saved, we can't swim in this ocean and in this storm because we're not capable. So how? There's, there's, there's no way out. But yes, there is. And Christianity has, has proclaimed this throughout its existence that Jesus Christ was, was born, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now then, what does that mean? It means that here was a real man who was a man just like everybody else, but there was a difference. There, he was never born in a state of sinfulness. There was no pain in giving birth to Jesus because the Bible says that the pain involved in, in childbirth was because of sin. There was no sin on Jesus. The moment the Blessed Virgin Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. That was the moment, that was her confession of faith, and that was the moment that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. He came into the world, and he was there present at her confession of faith, in her womb and there was no sin involved there was no person involved god was involved and god gave her that unique privilege to be the true ark of the covenant the covenant not with death but the covenant with life a covenant that was forever. And there was a man who lived a life without sin. He was never stopped being the second person, and I'm saying all this to satisfy the religionists among us who will listen to all this, 
he did not he was not he did not uh, forsake his divinity but here is something you need to know and it is important it is vitally important you need to know what he did in his life he in his life he managed his divinity he managed his divinity in and in so doing he taught us how to do something he came to bring us salvation and that once we believe on him that we will be saved we he came to show us how to live how to manage our salvation and he lived in dependence on the word of god the bible and with fellowship with other people and he learned these things by faith just like any other man and he managed his divinity and in so in that way in human terms and in that way and by doing so he taught us all how to manage our sal our salvation as sinners he managed his divinity as a man in the same way as we should manage our salvation as sinners by depending on the bible reading it coming to understand it little by little day by day and in fellowship with others and in prayer and growing in love and the, but then of course he died we know this he died now then here's the important thing the agreement with death was this the soul that sins will die the soul that only those who'd sin will die but jesus never sinned because he was not born in sin he was not, he lived as a, man, a real man and he focused his life and his heart and his faith on his divinity on his relationship with his father the first person of the trinity and then he gave, he didn't have to die but when he did death overstepped its mark and the old saying is true where one innocent man hangs the gallows fall and in that he created that door that door into life for you and for me yes god loves you you must be saved 
you can be saved. Now then, here's how. As I was thinking on these wonderful things earlier on, some lines from a Christmas carol came to mind, and it's this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. And there's never been a better, or never will be, a better prayer than that. Je make Jesus Christ, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And He is very personal with this, and the application is very personal indeed. You can, and I think we should, and, uh, and I love to do this, is to personalize those words. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. If you can pray that prayer, you will be saved. You have to understand that something wonderful has happened to you to even be praying that prayer at all. God loves you. You must be saved. You can be saved. And here's how. Lord Jesus, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me as my personal Savior today. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and there will be more news coming up soon, I hope. Thank you once again. Until the next time, God bless you.